What's going on, everyone? This is Joe Barrett with Paintball Passport. Uh, welcome to the show. I think we're on like episode eight or nine right now, depending on how many I have in the backlog. I don't know. Uh, we're doing pretty good, though. And I appreciate you all listening. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, still don't have any sponsors, nor am I really looking for any. But uh, I'm going to say this show is brought to you by FreeFlow. Uh, because we got the man, the myth, the legend from Free Flow himself on here. And uh, it's a company I love. It's a company I was always, uh, you know, looking up to as a kid. And, uh, you know, I was happy to be one of those uh, Free Flow sponsored players, get one of these beautiful, majestic autocockers. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Free Flow. If any of you guys are getting back into the 10 man scene, uh, ICPLs, all of that, uh, look up Free Flow. They have an Instagram, a website. You cannot beat this quality for an autococker. So, yeah, there it is. Uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce my guest, uh, Buddy Bauer, who is a longtime friend of mine and my original coach, literally back in the day when I was just some little asshole. <laughs> so, uh, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Staying busy up here, freezing in New York, <laughs> you know, February. Yeah. But uh, hammering out guns, you know, same old thing, just different day. So Yeah. Oh, you're always busy, dude. But, uh, I mean, is it only this right now? Or are you still, like, running pretty much all dealerships on your side of the country? Yeah, it's, it's not ever just one thing. So <laughs> I oversee 25 dealerships uh, in New York and part of a big group. And uh, that keeps me busy most of the time and then free flow <clears throat> which was supposed to be just a small side project that has <laughs> grown past that in the past five years and then we've got a couple technology companies i own that i'm working with like people on and just nonstop. two kids in youth sports you know there's never enough hours in a day but we get it done <laughs> yeah dude uh yeah, you've always been super busy, multitasker, uh, on the go, and just winning in life. It's it's impressive and inspiring. And uh, I remember when you brought back Free Flow, and you were telling me about it, and I was like, "That's sweet." And it seemed like it was going to be just like you know a passion project in your eyes. Yeah. But so many people were passionate about Free Flow, and also Ten Man was really making an emergence. And I think didn't you tell me you sold out the first batch of guns in like? It was, it was like nothing. I, two I'm minutes. Like, I'll do twenty. I'll do twenty. Just twenty. I mean, that's all I have time for. And then it was four minutes, and it actually crashed the whatever we were using at the time to sell them. It it shut down, and I'm like, oh wow, there's like this is like a thing. So we'll we'll keep doing twenty, and I'll just add bandwidth to that day. So we did that, and then we were fine. But yeah, it's been it's been good. We've been really lucky. We got great customers, and we got a really great group of guys in the industry and uh you know it's it's just fun to do so it was a fun yeah. time in my life working at free flow back in the day at pro paintball and you know it's scaling pretty good uh maybe past what i can keep up with so i brought on some help and stuff but it's it's fun it's fun yep i i believe it well you know, it's funny. Uh, I've seen an emergence of stuff like this now in paintball with guys like, you know, <clears throat> Oliver and Alex doing Hormesis and uh, yeah. Archie and Ryan Brand doing Project. And uh, 
people generally pretty quickly and easily get behind somebody that they believe in. And you've always been like a dude that a lot of people believe in, especially in our region. Like, uh, so yeah, I was actually going to have you touch a little bit on this type of stuff (laughs) or, or, you know, you know, we could talk about that too. Cause, uh, that would, I feel like more be in the, the AXPL. Um, but before that, I don't think people hated you. It's then you went from like the guy to like the player developer that happened to still be kicking everyone's ass in the New York Northeast region. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's, uh, it was a long time ago. So I'm a changed man now. Yeah. Well, give me a bit of background. Cause I, I have suggested you to play the game and, uh, you know, Carl Markowski and all these guys so many times and no one ever had you. So, uh, for anybody who doesn't know your story, you know, quickly, like not like the first time you ever shot a gun or whatever, but yeah. how did you get into tournament ball and like first pro team? So, yeah, I, I mean, I played since I was 11 as that's when you could start. And then I just, I never stopped playing and, uh, did it with my stepdad on the weekends went to college in North Carolina, mm-hmm. moved home, played all through college. Um, well, what I went to college for, which was like about two semesters down there and then came home and I'm like, I got to get a job. So Ethan and the guys at the pro paintball knew me. So I went there and Mitch and Luke and Dan, Dan didn't work there, but he was there a lot. And Luke and, um, I started doing the crap work at Pro Paintball, polishing three ways and cleaning the shop and helping the customers. Now, Ethan wanted me mostly for that reason. So I was the one playing all the time up here at Compete Paintball in some of those places. And at the time, like I was really good then. Like that's when I think I was like better. So, and I loved to play then. So that's automatically I was better. So, uh, he's like, you're going to run the shop and like watch a showroom and we'll talk to the kids that come in. Cause they want the shit you're using. Okay, fine. So I did that job. And then, then slowly like Mitch would start teaching me how to work on cockers and Ethan would show me some stuff. And then it became me and Mitch working on the markers. And then matrix came out and I would work on those while Mitch did cockers. And then I remember lockout was uh, rebuilding and Mitch was having tryouts and we practiced those guys all the time anyway. And they're like, yeah, come out. So I came out and they put me on the team. And I remember my first event was Chicago. It was the worst event like we've ever had in history. I'm like, I'm a jinx. Like it is what it is. Mitch is throwing his gear bag through the grill of the car. Like it was bad, like dead <laughs> last. Like how does this happen? And, um, so that, that all shaped out and I was always roomed with Kevin Hopkins and most people like that listen to your show will probably not even know who that is. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I was the kid on the dirtiest. I was a, I was a clean, like put together suburban kid that was on the dirtiest team in paintball, like stories for days. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And I just learned a lot from those guys, Wally and Chad and Kevin and, Mitch, everybody would just like kept feeding me stuff and worked my way into starting role on the team after a little while. And then forget what happened after that. I think, um, I think I missed playing with my friends. I'm like, I I practiced these guys forever, but playing with them was just different. I wanted to play with my buddies again. Yeah. They went on to form Detroit Thunder, the lockout that I knew. 
or played with. And then Rob Cole at GRC kept lockout going for seven man. And I said, I'm going to go play with my buddies on that team. And that was a amateur team that moved up to represent lockout. And we did okay. We were middle of the pack team. But for me, it was just, I'm doing this. That's the reason I'm doing it. Right. So, um, from there, uh, went to Titman effect and ran Titman effects, um, D3 team for a while. They were struggling and the guy on Titman wanted a new direction for the team. And <clears throat> I also was, uh, I actually tried out for Russian Legion at the first, uh, LA event of like, oh, four or three. I can't remember. It's been a long time. And then, uh, since I wasn't like a top pro player, I would have had to move to Moscow. Yeah. And I'm but like, they, yeah, I'm not, I don't like paying all that much. <laughs> they offered you the spot though. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. And I said, I'm just going to coach the rhythm kids on Titman effect. And they played D3. And the cool thing was, is watching, like I had a different message for my kids. I think I was like, look, do this for what it's worth. You're in high school. We can travel. You can do all this stuff. It's fun. But when you are done and you're going to go focus on what you're going to do for a career, because not everyone's as fortunate as you, Joe, that get to, <laughs> you know, but go focus on your career. When that's done and you're on your way and then that's all lined up, come back and we'll start playing again. So, but Tipman had a great uh, run there. We were, we were neck and neck all the time with a Aftermath and that was Mouse and that was, uh, Marcelo was on that team yeah. and I remember Mouse when he was just this little thing and then he just grew up in a beast of a human being um, but yeah. yeah we would play them and it was first and second place all the time and we, we only got them once we only got them in Pitts, uh, like in Pennsylvania I think but uh, we knew like everyone knew going on that they were going to be like something you know and I'm telling my guys you know go, go be a you know, an accountant or a, whatever they wanted to do. So, um, so that, that happened. And then I said, let's just do local regional stuff, which was AXBL. And we played that as rhythm. And, um, I don't know, that's pretty much it. Occasionally play with shockwave Canada, did some of that with seven man and, you know, did it for what I thought it was worth for me. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be a top tier player. I'm just going to have fun with my buddies and hopefully it's just less expensive to play. <laughs> that was like, right. So that's cool. It, it's yep. funny because, uh, man, the 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 dichotomy that is Buddy Bauer. Like you were, you would have been the first American player to play with Russian Legion. So you were maybe not the first. I think there was like the Blonskys or something like that. But you were going to be yeah, one of the early. Yeah, I and think they, they were before that. Yeah, and and but they were like veterans. Like those were older guys. You were going to be like yeah. their first. Like here's an American young kid. At that time, you must have been like what twenty four, twenty five. I was twenty eighty one. Yeah, I was like twenty three or twenty two. It, it's Young. all actually. Max Lundquist was the one that set that whole thing up because uh, he had come to a Detroit Thunder tryout, which I played for them too. I forgot to tell you that, but um, played for them yeah. with Tim and Jason and all those guys. And Max tried out for us in Texas at a practice down there. And shortly after, I don't know what happened, but Max was the one that kind of set me up with those guys. So, but they were like, it was insane. I've never had to do suicides using the parking lot lines and run that kind of distance and stuff. It just, 
Yeah. But yeah, that good, was not what you guys, Really good yeah. guys. They, yeah, they were. And uh, yeah, you were never like the like dynamic athlete player. Like you preferred to be the, uh, you know, no. the quarterback, like kind of on both your feet in back center, like you're, you know, sitting on your oh. feet, looking to not really move, talking each way, making sure each, you know, two is doing the right thing. And yep. you'll fill if you need, but you were just, uh, you were like, make the, sure no one screws up. And if they screw up, being able to kind of take care of it. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, nobody screw up. Just stay alive. Use those big things that are inflated to keep the paint from hitting you. <laughs> you know, yep. basics, though. 100%. But, I, I always thought, you know, uh, your style was cool because it was never anything fancy. You know, it, almost to the point where as a young kid, because I was 10 years younger than you, you're like, man, this fucking guy is clearly one of the best here, but he doesn't look like he's balling out out there, but he's just consistent. And that's something that at 15, 16, you don't really see it at first. But uh, yeah, I mean, I remember my role models growing up were like, there were three of them. There was Crystal Soya, who is yep. fucking out there slaughtering people, like <laughs> coming to bunker them. That's right. And, uh, and he's the rock star, you know, idol that you want as a kid. Then there was yep. Tim Montressor, your teammate. And I yep. remember when you played with him on Thunder and then him going to Philly Americans. And it was like, this dude is the man. This guy is yep. like the, you know, nonstop talking and shooting, aggressive two, three, yep. uh, but also like paintball's ambassador. Like, you know, you would see him yep. everywhere. Everywhere. Yep. Around, turn around, there's Tim Montressor. But then there was this third dude who became my coach, and that was you, fucking buddy. And you had like the cool. most boring of their style. Because yep. you were always just in back center, normally like your feet crossed and you were sitting on them. Like you were not really trying to leave that back center Aztec, but you talked to everyone. You saw the field, right? And then the thing that I noticed about you off the field, like they may have been the rock star and the ambassador, but you were like the East coast Hinman. And like, I don't mean it in like the way you did it, but like you became the talent developer because at one time you had like, 90 kids in there was a indoor lot. MVP and you were the reason they were all going from like rec ballers like ah oh, they play street ball yeah, that's to why like and are losing our hair you see that <laughs> yeah but I can't you can't put me with Hinman because Hinman's on a, a a little bit of another level that guy is just I give him a lot of credit I I do when I speak to him I'm like dude you're yeah. just but we did what we can we didn't have a huge scene here but we tried to make make it work and you know, I think I had a positive influence on the people anyway that played for me. So at, at the at the end of the day, I look at everybody that that has grown up now, right? Like Jay Ward, and uh, he's you know everyone that's like evolved and, and what they've become in life is like really cool. Watching the kids grow into men and then have careers and families and getting married. And I was in Rhino's wedding. Like, how is that even possible? But it's just yeah. cool, you know. <laughs> it's 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 cool to see these guys and then. You know, and we play together now. It's just like, hey, let's just go play something, whatever. So, yeah. Well, that that's the other thing that I, you know, now as more of an adult, like as a 33-year-old a guy with Roth IRAs and all this shit, I, I got to give you credit for like, you know, you were back then. I didn't see you as humble. Not that you were cocky, but it was even in your MySpace thing. Like, the, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. Like, I'm 42, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I got eight months left, buddy. Don't that's just, don't true. Try it. <laughs> You're not a decade, but so 
you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't cocky, but you were like the super confident dude. You were, and when you came by early on, you're in this orange Mustang provided from paintball. You were, you were the man in the Northeast, right? But something else I always noticed was this humility that like, what you were just saying, other coaches would try to push players to become like maybe the one guy that gets a good paycheck. Whereas you, even the when a time when you weren't that old, you were like a 25 year old guy. You would let me know as a 17 year old, like, Hey man, like make sure you're doing other things. This is not going to pay for a house one day. And I always thought that was interesting. You know, like I'm not trying to like kill your dream. Here's my, I just look at it differently. Right. I just look at it differently. And are there players out there that can like have a support a family and do all this from playing the game? Yes, there are some, but, <laughs> but very, like, that's a, that's really very few people that can do it to a point. I get, I don't know the, the amount of money that some that I, I hear, right. You don't know what people make and I don't pres presume to know, but there's a certain amount that I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning for. Like, I'm not doing that for that. Like, no shot. <laughs> but I just, if you want to go play, do it. I always wanted you to just make sure, look, if they're going to pay you an equipment or whatever it is, take some of those guns, make sure you're putting 5k a year into this so that when you're done playing, your knees give out and you're old and decrepit. You got some sort of, you know, fail safe safety net there, right? That's yeah. all. So, oh, that's yeah. true. It's great advice, and I I wish I had followed it earlier. You know, I think I told you that last time we were on the phone about a year ago when I started this career. Yeah, that everything lined up where I could have this career and do the the dream that I was already living. But now there's you know there's going to be money in the bank when the dream ends. And uh, there you go. Yeah, dude. Uh, it, it was always good advice, but it was funny because you were even telling people while you were still kind of in it, you know, like yeah. at that time you weren't running a dealership yet back then. You were just like this guy who was making pretty decent money from paintball and was aware enough to let us all know like, hey, sweet, I might be your role model right now. And there's a fucking orange Mustang out front from by PBL, but yeah. like, don't go after this. And nobody right. else would ever do that. Everybody <laughs> else would be like, yeah, you can do this too. Maybe you can get on dynasty or whatever yeah and all that stuff is just stuff right like mm -hmm. i don't know it's not the important things but anyway i digress from that but you turned yeah. out like pretty damn good joe <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it buddy yeah uh you know what's funny is i feel like we have similar i don't know if it's luck or like you know stuff looks out for us but yeah i mean you know we both went to college but Neither of us like immediately applied that, but you know, only we one were... of us has a degree, Joe. That's true. I, and to, to, be, <laughs> to be honest, I never intended on, you know, using it. And it's been 10 years and now weirdly yeah. I used it. And I, I felt like that was the same way where, you know, because you're a good person and like charismatic people like you. And then eventually the right card just falls in place and boom, you ended up being the right guy at the right dealership it saved them and then it worked you to where you are now where it's like dude you're like massively successful it's crazy i got lucky with that one but i actually i owe that to a buddy of mine so you know joey from leftover yeah. so at the same time and my best friend josh dempsey at the same time like we're all at this point in paintball like i'm 26 i think maybe 27 and Joey was a roofer. He was roofing for his dad and he's working at Outback part-time. 
And he goes, I'm a smart guy. You know, I could be doing something with, I shouldn't be hugging shingles or like, you know, hucking shingles up on the roof. I could be doing something. So Joey goes back to school. He ended up going to RIT. Now he's working for Harris or some like, I had a government agent come in and interview me about Joey, like giving him government like issues, like clearance and shit. Dang. So he's doing this. And then Josh and Roger, my other buddy, they go off and they work for UPS. They get jobs at UPS with a plan and a career and an, uh, way in front of the headlights, like goal. Right. And I'm sitting here at the paintball store and I'm like, nah, I am not. Not that it was bad. I'm just like, I'm not doing this forever. I know like my body isn't going to last forever. I'm going to go do something. I'm bad at school. Not going to go that route. So I'm like, I'm going to go. I've been bugged to sell cars. And then I'm like, I don't want to sell cars because I want to be that stereotype. So I go and my stepbrother was like bugging me forever. I got a job there. And we, you know, when I started there as a manager at the place I ended up after like two years, I went to a big dealership and we had one store and got promoted. And then now we have 25 stores. I'm, I'm an executive partner. I, I, I it's, it's good. So, and yeah. I, you know, I make a difference there. So it's, it's a good job. hundred percent. And that is, if I recall, I'm pretty sure I'm right for Chevy, correct? It's every, I mean, I don't, it, it's hard to name brands. We don't have now. It's everything. Gotcha. It is more. Okay. Yeah. I remember when you sponsored our 2014 rhythm team, yep. it was it Chevy, Bob Johnson Chevrolet. Yeah. Yep. And then in, in 16 and 17 of the two years I ran the, the store with a uh, counterpart, we, me and a guy named Peter, we both ran that store are uh, the only two years that that store finished number one in the country for volume mm -hmm. back to back. Like we crushed it. And um, so then that's when we really started growing and expanding and everything. And now it's, uh, it's like, I treat it like it's mine. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I treat it. I tell people it's my dealership. And so, but yeah, yep. it's good. That, that was fucking crazy by the way, because you know, in all the time I've been in paintball 20, 24th year now, you've only seen very few outside sponsors ever, even on top yep. tier pro teams. And that year you were like, so you're back in New York. All right, here's the rhythm deal. Yep. And then boom, Bob Johnson, Chevrolet, a number one Chevy dealership. And that was the other, you know, cool, respectable thing about you is there's some business guys in paintball, but you have this other way of making things super legit. Like if you're going to do it, it's going to be very professional looking. It's going to be brandable. And it's going to have outside industry shit behind it. And you knew how to do that. So yeah, yeah that was genius, man. Yeah, it was, it was good. We, they, they helped contribute. We sold some cars from it. It was good. So, yep. And we yep. didn't pay for paintball that season playing, you know, <laughs> division one, which is sweet. So, uh, it looks like the free flow banner fell behind me. I tried to bring out some things. That I was randomly. On purpose. Travis made <laughs> you do that. Travis is <laughs> like holding it there and then he just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Travis, get out of here, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I found this in my, uh, from that 2014 year too, this rhythm headband, like in my pile of just, you know, old jerseys, medals, headbands. And I was like, holy shit, I still have that. Yep. It's almost as green as some of our stuff. So I might have to bust that it was out a again good this year. Team. I mean, that team had some really good people. We, we had you, Josh, Tom Guest, went Drew pro. Guppy. Went pro. Garrett, or not Garrett, um, Ryan Dowling. Ryan Dowling. 
Aftermath, right? He played for yep. Aftermath, didn't he? Yep. Travis Crop. Um, Travis. I mean, there was there was great players on that team too. We just couldn't get it done. Stacked, and we were always in that like uh, second round of Sunday, like fifth through eighth. But we would just choke against the team that would win or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I always, I always wished uh, it would have continued past that. I don't know what happened. There was that World Cup when like half the Canadians, half America, we couldn't get it done. Yes, yeah. we were like, all right, well, we'll take an event off. And I was like, you mind if I go play with New York Extreme? Sure. <laughs> and I went, and then. Rhythm never came back, and I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I'm an extreme guy. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's a weird story in its own, too. All those yeah. guys are pro now, but uh, yeah, man. Um, I'm happy to get all this back, and uh, dude, it's it's just good catching up with you. But, uh, you know, a big reason I brought this uh, podcast into, like, existence, it was literally um, inspired by that YouTube series that we got to do. It was where paintball takes us. Oh, yeah. And I just thought yeah. that was such a genius idea. Like, you know, like there's always been videos about the games and whatever. But aside from like push and a couple videos, there hasn't really been any like lifestyle stuff. Yeah. And that video did such a good job of showing like what, in my opinion, is the best perk you're ever going to get out of pro paintball. I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. I mean, and that was a great event too, right? Mm-hmm. So last minute, Joe Barrett, hey, what are you doing next week? Nothing. You want to go to Thailand? <laughs> sure. What? Yeah. Uh, what's the deal? Uh, well, yeah. we're going to Bangkok. <laughs> give, give, me, uh, give me the whole rundown unless you have a better travel story you want to share. I mean, that's a good one. I mean, yeah. we, Jesse Benoit was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't. Something happened. And uh, Louis Alessio thought, hey, we need another guy. Do you have anybody else? It's me, you, and Chris from the States. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, Joe's never doing anything. He loves paintball more than anyone I know. Let's get Joe. And uh, I'm like, hey, Joe, you want to go to Thailand? It's in a few days. You know, let's do it. And you're like, I'm in. And all I think it was was a plane ticket. Yep. That and was it. Uh, Suey and or Robert Lee and Louie covered everything but the, the plane ticket. And we're like, let's go try this. I think we were away for like 11 days or 13 days or something crazy. 13 days. But, uh, those are the fun. Those are like the most fun stories to share. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the stuff that happens that, that not necessarily all the paintball part, but the other stuff, the, I didn't eat for 72 hours or something like that. Cause the cockroach crawled out of my waffle <laughs> and <laughs> And and the stories about I mean I gotta embarrass you at your show I gotta say you know sure. we get we get on the plane in Toronto to, to fly to San Francisco I think to get on that plane to fly to Japan and then then to to Thailand or something yep. anyway um, we get on the plane and we're like Joe did you get your shots you're supposed to get you know you're supposed to get your shots shots what shots you know the the, the pamphlet like the you know get your shots no I didn't get shots. All right, Joe, what the fuck? So then we're like, well, basically, here's the pamphlet. This is what it says. Like, don't drink the water, which means no ice cubes, which means don't also don't get drinks at the gas station that don't have the plastic wrap around them. We land at the airport in Thailand. The first thing you went to do is you went to find a water fountain and proceeded to drink water out of the water fountain. And I'm like, he's not going to make it back alive. I'm going to have to tell his mother that he died on this trip. 
And uh, then you broke out into a cold sweat because you drank the goat's milk from the 7-Eleven across the street from our hotel that didn't have the plastic. Or, you like just, just in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Like, but we had a blast. I mean, it was, we won. We won we that time. We yeah. won. Well, I guess, so all the stuff in between that land and we won is like, you know, me and you never got to like, uh, I guess, catch up or like decompress about it when we got back and like all the shit we learned because that was your first time ever going to Asia, right? Asia, yeah. Yeah. Yes. My first time ever going to Asia. My first time ever going anywhere other than Canada outside the States. Yeah. And that was like kind of what put me on the international <clears throat> travel bug. And and you, one thing I always knew about you is you're not like you were in a homebody and you're like you're an extroverted dude back then, but you didn't really care to do like the big international travels. You didn't do it when you were pro on Thunder. No. So this is why I wanted you on the show because you're a guy who like probably actually got the culture shock like I did that first time where it's like, holy shit, this is different over here. Yeah. Well, it was it was different. And I'm a I don't want to say I'm a picky eater, but I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I'm not a veggie guy. I'm not a spicy food guy. Now I want spicy food. It makes me like, oh, that smells to I can't have it. Like I just can't yeah. take it. So anyway. So we go over there. It took me forever. And then I found a fake pizza hut. You remember our bedroom had like fucking 10 pizza boxes stacked up this high in the corner of the room. Cause I'm like, I can't find anything else. I'm not eating lobster flavored or seafood, seaweed flavored Lay's chips. I have to <laughs> eat something. So anyways, you, Chris, like some of you guys like live off that stuff. You're willing to try it. And I'm not eating bugs off a stick. I mean, it's just not. <laughs> so you didn't do that it. was just part of it but just the uh, it makes you appreciate home the more you travel doesn't matter where we go we went to london like two years ago in august with rhythm and it makes you really appreciate home a little bit more you know the lanes on the road aren't this fucking small and you know just little things but you know uh it's just yeah, but it was fun. I like the coconut thing. You know, I must have had a hundred of those things. I think we had to have like 30 a day or something like that because, yep. dude, I'll never forget how fucking hot and humid that Bangkok event was. I've never ever in my life. And then Louis, I think it had to be Louis. I'm going to blame him anyway, even though it wasn't him. He had the bright idea of making us thick padded black shockwave jerseys for that event. Yeah. And I played every point of X-Ball except for two that whole event. Yep. That's I, true. I probably lost like 15 pounds. Easily. The pizza, oh. the pizza I ate is what <laughs> kind of the same that week. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was so happy that we had like the seven or eight guy roster because aside from you, anybody playing a two or a one spot, like you could not play more than two or three points. You couldn't. If you didn't take that sit, you were going to be like puking. You need to come in and drink like a bottle of water every five ish minutes. That's how much you were losing, just pouring sweat out. Yep. And uh, whenever we could, we'd all go sit in like the AC paint van or <laughs> whatever in between those matches. Yep. Yeah, it was My pretty God. crazy. But we won. That was a good good tournament. Yeah. And Thanks I remember a shorter ride home when you win. True. True. Yep. And uh, and we also got to be with like, you know, your old teammate, Tim Montressor. My old yep. teammate no, too. I don't from think Tim was there. Was he? He was there. He was. There. They were Ryan all there Ryan playing was... taser ball. Th those guys in oh, Damian and Jerry, they were all there playing taser ball. Yeah. 
So we didn't get to see them a lot, but we did get to see around a taser ball, which was fucking ridiculous. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I don't know whatever happened to that, but I don't either. Ask Derek. I think wasn't it Derek Wells's thing? Maybe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Um, do you remember that first day after we got off the plane and went out? Vaguely. Yeah. I do. So after that, and I'll, I'll jog your memory after that six hour typhoid fever, I got pouring sweat and just sitting in the shower. Finally, it was like, okay, it's evening. Let's go out. Right. Yep. And we went out and you brought us to like some cool martini bar. And then we yep. like, along the way, we kept stopping and getting this one particular beer that was like, oh, what was it called? Chang beer. No. Chang. Was yeah, it? it was, it was Chang. Was it? It was kind of like a normal beer. It was kind of normal, but yeah. it gave us the the dreaded Chang over. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was called that. That's right. Yes. And do you Chris remember? And I had a lot of tequila, but that was after. That was yeah. after we were done playing. But yeah. But that first night, I think we we passed out like sometime early in the morning, and we slept through that whole fucking day. Yep. And we we all woke up, and it was dark, and we're like, "What time is it? Not morning yet." Saw what time it was. It was night again. And we ate some of the stale pizza sitting out. And then we went back to bed. (laughs) And everyone slept for like 19 hours or something ridiculous like that. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) it was. Never again. I'll never go back there. Couldn't (laughs) hate. Nope. Well, I mean, okay, aside from the Chang over and the extreme, like, way worse than Florida heat and humidity. Uh, I mean, what else did you, let's start with, what did you not like about it? The food. Not in a Thai food? eh, It wasn't for me, right? So what else? Just, for me, it's just being away, right? I just, I travel a lot with paintball over how long, and it's like, I kind of want to just be home and working and doing whatever. And I don't know. It's just different, right? And then we were playing with friends, like you're a good friend and Jerry and uh, everyone everyone that was like Sparky and those guys, they're all like friends and whatever. But I'm just like, eh, you know, it's just, it was fun. Like I, I played great. At it. I had a great time. You did. It wasn't my best tournament, but I had a really good tournament. You were MVP yeah. that event. Yep. And they gave, you, they gave you a sweet watch. Like, for two weeks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to say, I still remember when yeah. they brought you up on stage for the watch. Yeah, but I don't know. It was fun. I'm glad I did it. I don't have regrets from it, but it's just not my favorite place to be. So, yeah. you know. It was pretty cool to go your first and only time and beat their Thai national team, Asia Wan, in finals by like, I think we beat them with like two seconds left or else it was going to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to go to overtime. Louis wanted us to just let it, but Mm -hmm. they got a major in the last whatever. And that was game. Yeah. But what I also remember most is, was we got our asses kicked one game, just one infernal or somebody like that. Infernal. It was like my worst nightmare. You got these (laughs) short little four foot, six fast Asian guys running around like, what was that? <laughs> like, what was, what was, 
Like, you can't shoot them. They're everywhere. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? We got 4 would or whatever it was, 6 yep. would or something like that. And Louie and I got in this huge fight. Like, huge. Because they all wanted to go back to the hotel. And Chris and I are like, no. Like, we've just fucked up royally. And they have us figured out we need to change this and watch. So, Chris, you guys got on the bus and went back and did God knows what. We... Chris and I stayed there for the last bus of the day in the heat and sat there behind one of the start boxes and watched the rest of the paintball games played that day. Came up with the changes we needed to make and apply the next day or we weren't going anywhere. And we did them and thank God. And then me and Louie are like, like we argue like brothers. So it worked itself out, but I was going to, I was like, dude, but we won. So it was good. So yeah. Um, yeah. Also, never forget that match because it felt like they were just taking all 350s instantly off the break. And we were playing very like American, like pocket paintball, shoot your guns, zone control. And they were just making it through all the zones. And I don't and- do that. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I don't sit and just shoot a lane. I just don't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. And then somehow we, we figured we'd play them again in finals. They didn't make it to finals. Nope. Yeah. That's they got crazy. beat by, Thank by God. Yeah, I know they had that one guy, the Dorito front guy that would basically oh. just, Oh, we'd watch him in the games that we didn't play. And we'd watch him just run and gun off break to the Dorito corner, go around it and then just go all the way down to the other corner. And he just wouldn't stop. Yep. Yep. Shoot everybody on his gun. Nasty. I wanted to bring him over to play here. <laughs> <laughs> I know I should see if oh. I can find that dude, but uh, yeah, it's yep. crazy. Asian paintball. I've been back a few times since then. And, it's always like that where they're all smaller than us naturally and very fast. And they just play this aggressive in your face brand of paintball that if you, if you don't shoot some of them, you're just, even if you survive the break off, they're all in the good positions. You're all in the pinch and you're like, all right, guys, it's going to be an uphill battle. Like hopefully we have good gun skills. And right. uh, yeah, man, it's the wild West out there. They just run and gun at you like crazy. So the way they play is the way we play over here when there's 10 seconds left in the match and you need a point. They just play True. every point like that. <laughs> True. That's True. the way I look at it. That's just how they play paintball. So, yep. yeah. They're, they're either going to win it or lose it in that 10 to 20 seconds. So just save That's me it. time so I can get out of the heat. True. Man, did you have, so beyond the paintball part, you uh, have any particular really fun memories or, you know, like favorite parts of it? Uh, I mean, I won't, this is your show. I ain't going to go there, but (laughs) there's a few that come to mind, but we'll keep it PG. Yeah. (laughs) Chris and I drank some tequila. We had a good, good time while we were down there after we won the tournament. And, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was an experience for me. It was, it was enough that I said, okay, I've had my fill. I say I can do it. We'll do Europe or, or something else in the next one. Yeah. So, yeah. A little more normal. Do you, uh, you remember that long tuk-tuk ride we took to get yep. to Pattaya? Yep. Yeah. How'd you feel about that? Riding a tuk-tuk on those highways? Yeah. No, <laughs> not for me either. Like, I'm like, I'm young. I was put here to do something good. Like, I don't want to die here. Like, I don't want, you know, on a tuk-tuk in Thailand. I'm, I'm good with all that. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just it's good that you have me on here because I'm going to give you that different perspective. Everyone's like, "It's awesome," and I ate all this weird stuff, and I did all. I'm just like, eh, just not my thing. I like, I don't know. I like I like the paintball part probably the most of any of it, but, um, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I don't ever expect these shows to go just one particular way. Like, there's people that tell me only the good stuff. But I always try to ask for the bad stuff, too, because that's important. Like, you don't want to give this uh, facade that when people go to another country, it's, you know, all uh, bells and whistles and much better. Oh, than no, it's here. definitely it's, not. The London not. one, the London trip. Yeah, this, that, that takes the cake for every international trip I've ever done. Really? Like, I, I will never. I probably have a better chance of going back to Thailand before I have a chance going back to London. I you want to hear that one that I tell I would, you this? I would know you've not told me this at all. This and is I hate important London, for so. tra- people that travel. This is, this is the golden horseshoe that everyone says I have, you know, stored away inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have it in London. All right. <laughs> so <clears throat> we go to play an ICPL in London and I wanted to treat the guys like the nice, like different, something different, not just around the States. And, and we had always talked on rhythm of playing like an international event as rhythm. And I'm like, let's do this. Fuck it. So <clears throat> what happens first? So we fly there. Okay. And we, we land in London at like 7 a.m. The, 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 the customs agents really aren't even working. And, and they had the, you know, the passport scanners, which basically means they, if you get a green light, you can just walk through. You don't have to see somebody. You yeah. get a red light, you're going over here. So all my guys go, there's no line. We're like the first landing, the first flight that landed, I feel like. So we land, go through my passport is the only one that gives a red light. And I'm like, what? So I go over to the side and the guy helping me, really nice guy. He's like, yeah, this is weird. It says your passport was reported stolen. Lurk lost stolen. And I'm like, no, I, I would have had to report that. <laughs> and I didn't report that. So, and I know it's current because like the year before I had been going back and forth from Canada to see Tyler with anodizing and everything we had going on like three times a week. So I'm like, it's fine. He's like, unfortunately I have to have you sit over here. And they had these chairs, like, like, uh, like a classroom almost like just sitting there. Like, and then the guy right to my right next chair over and it's not packed. There's three people in the seated area, me and two, uh, like, I'm going to say, just say they were ISIS. Okay. <laughs> two ISIS next to me. I don't, you know, so they're both, they're separated. There's one in front of me, like here, and there's a guy right next to me. I got a picture of it. And there's a guy right next to me and they're speaking gibberish. Basically, they're not speaking their language, whatever that is. They're doing it intentionally to throw the security guards. So even the people who interpret don't know what they're saying. See, And the the customs agents have seen them do this like stuff a million times. So they know what they're doing. And finally, the one customs agent comes over and he's talking to the guy that's sitting right next to me. And I'm like, oh, man, this is the closest I've been to something like this. And he goes, listen, we don't think you are who you say you are to this guy. And we want to know why you have $200,000 in American cash in your suitcase when you're not even coming from America. 
And he starts doing his gibberish thing and his buddy is sitting over here in front of me. And he goes, so what's going to happen is, is you're coming with this guy and he's going with that guy. And I'm sitting here with my white tennis shoes and hooded sweatshirt on like a, like a dad, like sitting there, like I'm sitting here because someone said my passport is lost or stolen <clears throat> in March of 17, March of 17. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? So they come out of there with a packet like this, of paper of instructions on what I'm supposed to do. Now it's a, it's a Wednesday. The weekend that the queen was being buried, they said, you're going to have to contact the embassy and make sure you can get a new passport. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, there's a copy of your passport on the back page. I'm like, so you're letting me into London. They're like, yes. I'm like, what about getting home? He goes, that's why you have to get a hold of the embassy. And typically it takes nine to 11 days to get an appointment. I'm supposed to go home on like Monday morning. Yeah. After the I'm event. like, are you kidding me right now? Like, is this real? I have the Airbnb booked. I have the rental van, one van for the team. <clears throat> so I'm like, well, this is the, the, the Airbnb is like an hour and a half, like from the uh, airport. And I'm like, all right. So I spend, I'm not kidding you, four or five hours trying to get at the embassy. Their phones aren't working. And I can't. They said, if you're not in there by Friday, you're really like out of luck because of how many people are coming and going for the queen's funeral. I'm going to be stuck in London. Which you know all about that. Not anyway. <laughs> anyway, we won't go down there. So, yeah. so, so then I'm like, look guys, they're all focused on, they're going to bars and they're going to like sites and they're getting to see everything and all the cool shit. Right. And I'm sitting here on my phone. Like, oh my God, I got to get the hell out of here. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting stuck here. So I finally get through via email. I emailed like 20 some different email addresses, just trying to find the one that works. Someone finally replied, told them the situation. They're like, we are booked until this date. And I go, please, I'm begging. They said, if you can be here Thursday morning, the next morning at 8 a.m., we will get you in done. I'll I called the Airbnb people. I said, this is the guy that's going to be checking in. They're going to take the van. They're going to drop me off in like in the area of the embassy. And I'm going to book a room that's like a, three blocks away and end up being like a mile or so away from the embassy. In the morning, I will wake up and I'll walk there. Well, it was August in London and I didn't realize it's like 40 out in the morning. <laughs> when you, They told me though, when you go to the embassy, you bring nothing, no backpack, no nothing nothing. I said, okay. So I left the guys, all my stuff. I had the clothes that were on my back, which was shorts and a polo. I bought a toothbrush. I bought like the things I needed to like wake up the next morning. And I booked a room in some, God, I wish I remember the places that it was called, but it's basically the area that is, that's where all the gay people hang out. There's like a gotcha. whole like, like area. And I'm just like, man, everyone's like making out in the lobby and everything. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's just like, I don't want to be that confused that I'm there for that. Because uh, <laughs> it's the closest one to the, to the embassy. So I go upstairs, <laughs> I order like they had Papa John's. I'm like, I ordered that. It got delivered. I wake up the next morning. I go to the embassy. I'm standing at the embassy 
an hour early because I'm like, I'm going to be the first one in the door. It's 40 out. I'm like, this is a bad, bad choice. So they let, they, I go in and they let me in the first little area corridor through security. Then I went through this. Then you go through this like uh, um, courtyard and then I go through the next security. And then when you get through that, you go up the elevator to like whatever floor. When I tell you that this embassy, it looked like a DMV. It had like 20 stations of frosted glass. When I tell you, you could lick the floor in this place, you could lick the floor in the place. Like, yeah. If you told me lick the floor, I'll give you five bucks. I'd probably lick it. Like it was so like nice. I'm like, holy shit, this place is beautiful. So I sit down and I have my number. They give me a croissant and a Coke and everything like they don't, no charge. And when your number's called, you go up. So my number gets called and I go up and I explain the situation. He goes, okay, well, it's $165 for your temporary passport. Um, and I'm like, can you tell me what happened? It's it, everyone's saying that this was reported lost or stolen in March of 17. And he goes, huh, let me look. And he looks it up and he goes, well, that's impossible because this passport wasn't issued until uh, whatever of 2018. And he goes, I've seen this before where someone in the, in whatever, like, uh, I forget what they call it, but they, in the they TSA? the number and they put my number of passport in by mistake. Oh. So I'm like, oh, that's great news. Do I get to keep my 165 bucks? He goes, no. <laughs> okay. So just like he, the DMV, <laughs> he does everything he needs to do. Right. Uh, then I have to go up there when they prep the paperwork and sign everything and pay. So I do that. And then I go back to my seat. You got to get called up again. So I sit back down. Fire alarm goes off in the embassy. Everyone must evacuate threat on the building. So I got downstairs, I take the elevator down, I go outside. The line for this place goes around the building like a corkscrew. Holy shit. And I get outside and I ask the person security, I said, when they end up letting us back in here, do I have to wait in that? And he goes, no, we'll get you in first. I'm like, I love you. Thank you. So we go outside, we wait outside in the freezing cold for an hour or so. Guys with like, you know, U.S. military with their guns outside, they clear everything. We're allowed back in. I'm not kidding you. I get back in the building. I go up. I sit in my chair. Bing. My passport was 100% ready before I even went downstairs after that fire alarm. They could have just said, oh, my God. So I get downstairs. I get my passport. I meet the, I take an Airbnb all the way to the house, which was like an hour and a half away in the worst traffic you could ever see in your life. Meet up with the guys. We went around town, did stuff like went on the Ferris wheel thing. London Eye. Yep. We did all this, the touristy kind of stuff, right? We, yeah. we went around and got some food and then we played paintball and we missed first place by nothing. It was like two kills, two, two kills. Yeah, we got four, man. but we played, we played good paintball. Actually, we played our best 10 man paintball we had ever played oh. and everyone had a good time. So it was worth it. That's sweet. But the trip for me sucked. I mean, it was terrible. Uh, yep. you, yeah, I get it. I, I can Don't empathize with you. With <laughs> I, it sucks to waste your entire first day in another country doing some bullshit like that. that. That was the enjoyable day. That was the day we were supposed to like have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you didn't really have a lot of time. You basically went with one extra day tournament, leave after the tournament. Yeah. And while I was walking around town there enjoying anything, everything, I had to go to like a FedEx Kinko's, get my passport photo taken, Mm. get the documents all filled out so that I was prepared to go to the embassy. 
It was great. Damn. Yeah, vacation mode for sure. Just <laughs> God, dude. So uh, you're gonna be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're never coming on this show ever again. I want to encourage people to do this stuff. No, not at all. Uh, and that is, it's a reality, dude. I have also had a rough time in London. I will probably never go back to England myself. It's too long of a story for this time. But uh, yeah, dude, I've also had a lot of really bad TSA experiences. Like, I mean, I've probably flown a couple hundred times now. At least five of them have been like, Sorry, man, we got to pull you aside into this room over here. And then you're just in the airport all day dealing with some bullshit. Yep. Well, props to you guys. Like Tim, uh, he'd come up and get his cars from me all the time. And every time he was up, I would just have to say, so how many miles are we up to on that? <laughs> how many flyer miles you got now? And it was yeah. like an ongoing joke because the one of my finance managers had asked him and it was some odd million. And he's like, huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh, no, he's he's the guy like he was, you know, uh, but yeah, props to you guys that that can do that. Like the video that plays once a year that Tim put out there. I love that video. It, it actually resonates. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but I just it's not for me that part of it. So. Yeah. I'll say you get you get used to like the plane life and there's definitely a way to do it like. If you're the new prepared, way I got, the new way I got's the way to do it. You don't fly fine. commercial. You just get on the jet. The car uh, takes you right to it. You get on it. You go where you want to go. There's no security. There's no lines. And there's no. It, you know, when you're ready to leave, you just call the pilot. Okay. Oh my god. You can take whatever you want, Joe, on the plane. You can get off the plane with whatever you want, Joe. And you know, it's it's ugh, it so spoils you. you. Like you don't want to fly like any normal anymore. The company does the the G five thing, not well. Actually, I can't say that. Yes, so my company has like the ability to do that stuff, and then the tech companies I own, the guy that I'm partnered with, uh, that's basically not buying it out from me, but uh, I'm dealing with on him. He has a whole fleet of them, and he's like, "What do you need? I'm going to the Keys to fish with my paintball buddies." <laughs> okay. Holy. I saw you did that recently. You brought yeah. Tommy and Rhino and them and just went for a fishing trip. We, did. we just went out to fish and we were set up to fish for two days and Paul and Rhino did not make it. But one day they are not, they don't have sea legs. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I believe it. <laughs> they got skinny ass little legs too. There's no balance there. And you won't get Rhino on a plane again. Why is that? We landed in marathon in the keys to fish on the private jet. Yeah. And the, Pilot couldn't figure out it was 10 o'clock at night and the cloud ceiling was 500 feet and they're not supposed to land and he couldn't figure out how to get the runway lights on. There was a sequence. You had to do something like three times in a row and he landed anyway. And his co-pilot's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. I'm looking out my side window. I'm like, we're coming in hot. I see the buildings right there. And we land and they're like, (laughs) when we come home to the Bills game being canceled, that's how bad it was out. We landed in that. And we just skidded. And the night before, the night after, plane ran right off the runway in Rochester. Jeez. Yeah. Brian was like, I'm never, I'm never (laughs) flying. Yep. Hard to get him to go anywhere unless it's like a couple hour ride in the Prius. But man, that is ridiculous, dude. Uh, Yep. Wild. Well, it is cool that you know someone like that. And, you know, you saved all of them. They probably have to even commercial. It's a couple hundred bucks to fly to the Keys. And a G5, I think, if you don't know him, is probably a $20,000 flight. Yep. So pretty sweet there. <laughs> I, I was going to say 
Nothing like that, dude. I I have like a a credit card that gets me in all the lounges now, so at least yeah. I can like sit somewhere comfy and get free food and a beer. And then uh, you know you have the points, so you get the upgrades to get first class. That's right. Especially if you have like a million miles, like I can fly pretty comfy most of the time. But <laughs> I'm not flying on a G5 and bringing my own, you know, steak and case of beer or something. Oh, like that's that. great. I mean, it's just so easy. It's just ah, oh, this is so nice. Oh so, my god! Yes, sir. That is sweet, dude. <laughs> well, uh, fuck. Uh, let me know next time you're doing one. I. I'd love to get that chance. We're going to do something not fishing. We already yeah, decided. Yeah. Like the next guy's weekend trip we'll do, we're going to go. And the reason I took them is they ref the free flow open for me. Mm-hmm. And we didn't play our event as rhythm last year. And I felt bad. I'm like, ah, oh, they did this. They didn't ask for a dime. They just stepped up and helped me out. And we're going to go. I'm going to spoil them for the weekend. So we went and did that. But now we'll do something like Vegas where we can just gamble or whatever. We're not going to fish. I know that. So. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Maybe hunting. Maybe I went. I just went on a pig hunt in Georgia last weekend. Did you? That's do the I fucking... just got back this morning. Yeah, did, I, did it's you do not the helicopter thing. It's no. Everyone asks that. No, this is like at night. It's not even sporting. I went with my father-in-law. And I'm like, cool. I'll go do this hunt, and you literally walking around with thermals on your rifles, and mm-hmm. they just they're everywhere. They're they're a nuisance. So we just we did that for the weekend, and I come back. But nice. Yeah. I know about that one because it's not just in Georgia. Uh, a buddy of mine, Mike McGowan, he owns a field in Alabama called Prime. And okay. he's got like, you know, 50 acres and his field's in the middle of it. And at night, all these like, you know, invasive wild boars just walk into his property. And that's yep. something that they host where people can come over with thermaled out ACOGs on top of yep. AR-15s. And you just yep. blast as many of these pigs as you can. Exactly right. <laughs> Like how many did you get? <laughs> I got four. We only did one night. We were supposed to do two, and then uh, the the guy's the family member died, and he had oh. to go. And we're like, no, 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 we don't care that much. Just go do what you got to yeah. do. So, but uh, it was fun. I mean, it was different, but it's not. It's not my kind of hunting. Like it's not. It's like just killing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit too out in the open and easy. Well, yeah, dude, if it's you, not much of a challenge. If you so. want more of the challenge. I live in Portland, Oregon now. I moved out of Cali a year ago. And uh, up here in Oregon, between where we are and the coast, is this huge, um, what do they call it? Like, just the government land. I forget what they call it around here. But, uh, oh, my God, dude. You see elk that are, like, at their shoulder, they're taller than your refrigerator. Oh, yeah. And you don't just see them all over. Like, you have to be very good at stalking them. They can hear you forever away. They can smell yep. you, but every once in a while, I'll get within a hundred yards of one because I go with a buddy who bow hunts, and I haven't seen anyone take one yet. But yep. just getting close to it, you're like, oh my god! When they start getting close, even when you can't see them, you can smell them. So mm-hmm. I had I was supposed to go on an elk hunt this past year, and that's my new passion, by the way. Like paintball is still there. I love paintball, right? I don't I don't really mm-hmm. enjoy playing as much as I used to. I'll do it, and I'm playing with misfits. I think in Vegas, so. Um, I'll do it, but I love to hunt. So I was supposed to go on this hunting trip uh, in New Mexico, and I just couldn't. I had a conflict, like a family thing. And I'm like, well, it's like a $25,000 hunt. I'm not letting it go to waste. So Bo Nickel, you probably don't know who that is, but Bo Nickel's like the next UFC phenom. Like he already is the next. He's, he's like a John Jones. He'll probably never lose a fight. 
anyways, I know he likes the elk hunt and I'm connected with him. And I'm like, do you want my hunt? It's free. You just got to go. And he's like, fuck yeah, I'll go. And he had a fight that, uh, one of the biggest cards of this past year in 23, he fought in it and he beat the guy in like 30 seconds. And we're asking him who he wants to fight next. He goes, I don't care. I got an elk tag to burn. I'm going to go do that. And it was my tag. I'm like, Oh, that's my tag. So anyway, so he goes on this elk hunt and takes like a 300 and some class elk on his second day there. And I'm like, that's my elk. Damn it. But I'm going on a, I'm going on a moose hunt this year. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do that instead. But I love it. Like I'll sit there all day. I yeah. will gear hunting. I'll sit there like all day, 12 hours more. Don't care. So I feel you. it's incredible. Even if you don't get anything, just that one chance, especially for, you know, guys like you, you're a very busy guy. Even me now, the chance to be out there for a day or two and not have your phone on you. And you're yep. just full disconnect, like fuck off world. I do not care about emails or business or God, it's amazing. Yeah. But two years ago, I couldn't enjoy it as much. I had guns like actually in the shop that had to be built this mm. past year. They're, the, the week that I took the hunt, I made everything sure that if it was in the shop, it was done and shipped out. I had nothing pending. I'm like that. I can enjoy myself that no one's waiting on me. Yeah. And my week ended and then I got guns in. I'm like, this worked out perfect. So, cool. yeah. Well, uh, yeah, dude, the invite is truly there. Um, the hunting season is all September for us. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of great place to hunt elk, but I hear a lot of people come here to Oregon because when you're in that forest, everything is covered in like that bright, wet, green moss. So it's fucking crazy. You feel like you're kind of walking through a weird, ethereal world. And every <laughs> once in a while, you see a monster or like a bear or something. Nope, so I'm out. There's, there's, <laughs> I was just going to cut you off. There's giant fucking grizzlies and Kodiak or whatever brown bear there. I'm done. No, uh, there. I I don't think they get real big in that area, but we bring guns too. We're not just bringing I'd a go, bow. Just in case. I'd go as long as I like. If my father in law was with me, I'd go because he's slower than me. Yeah, like I can get a. Like, that, <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys we go with is slower than us, so right. you're good. And also, it's not twenty five grand to hunt, man. It's like you pay like a thirty dollar tag for the season. You're allowed to get two, I think, and uh, we'll deck you out with all the equipment. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it on the list. That'd be cool. So. Well, uh, dude, I know you're probably one of the busiest people I ever have on here, so I don't want to keep you on for two, three hours. Oh, man, I'm, I'm happy you're doing this. This is cool. I actually thought, you know, some one day I have an idea for a podcast, and it's different than, than most of them out there. But I'm like, maybe one of these days I'll have a time to actually execute on it and do it. But yeah. No one wants to. No one wants to want to have me on their show anyway, or listen to me for an hour. So I'll just do other stuff instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I disagree. But You're. <laughs> I'm going to plug something really quick. Yeah. I'm just going to say that we we're not just cockers anymore. But I know that you got to be careful with you and your what you can talk about, right? But I just literally like this past week built and have like the first of the nicest markers I've ever built. Oh no, we froze a little bit. Nicest markers we've ever built out of free flow. Hands down, not even close. Like really? it might be, I think it's the nicest gun I've ever held. Like ever. It's unbelievably like, I'm so excited about it. I bragged about it to the free flow guys. I'm like, dude, this is the nicest gun I've ever held in my 30 something years of playing paintball. 30, Damn. One. 
Well, uh, I'm so I, pumped. I, it's coming. There's, it's going to be like a little bit of a, a thing to get it out there, but it, oh my God, it's, mm-hmm. we did it. Okay. We nailed it. <laughs> I believe you. I'll have to have you hold our brand new infamous CS3s. They are, they're gorgeous. A lot of nice cuts and milling they do a on good it. Job, but, but I'm sure, yeah, yeah, you know your quality. So I'd like to see this maybe when we're off air, you'll uh, give me a sneak peek. I will. Um, yeah, we'll that'd that. be sweet. So, um, I'm excited. We got good things to come this year for free flow. We're doing the free flow open again, which we're about to open up here soon and, and let people like register for. And that, you know, if I was more popular, it might be considered the event of the year by like, you know, whoever does those like iconic things or whatever. I don't follow enough paintball to know that stuff, but yeah, it, it's widely regarded as one of the best events. And that's just because I lose a ton of money at it mm-hmm. <laughs> to put on a good show. That's what it is. So yeah. What it, what is the key to posting a good paintball event? Lighting um, a lot of money on fire. <laughs> no, you know what I think it is, honestly? So I think when I think about the tournament, it's just the value for your dollar, right? If you're a player and you're talking about value for the dollar. So when I look at the NXL, and, and I don't want any repercussions on this, right? From like, if I look at the NXL, right? The NXL is trying to fit as many teams in a time window as they can. So for them, they need to optimize how many entry fees they they get, right? So yeah. I want to do a league here in upstate New York and I'm not I actually put it off. I was going to do it this year. I have new scoreboard software that's coming out like we're working on that behind the scenes like I have a lot of stuff in the works, but I'm like I'm going to put it off till 2025, but I don't want to do uh Mercy 4. Because I want to let people play. Like, that's the value for the dollar is actually letting them play points, right? The mercy rule is in effect because they have to cram more entry fees into a small window. That's why that exists. But why not make it no mercy? That's what I want to do up here. No mercy rule Two, uh, you know, 15 minutes stop clock. So let them play. If they're down by 10, that's how you learn. Yeah. But they can't do that there because they are selling entry fees. Mm-hmm. We want to sell paintballs, right? <laughs> There's a difference on what you want to allow based on your circumstances. True. So when we want to put on a good event and sell paint and let people play paintball, that's like the difference. So with the free flow open, though, it's value for your dollar. Like entry fee is 400 bucks. The prize package is way over 20K. Like first Whoa. place was five crowns which are tricks just milled a little differently it was first place was like 7500 bucks 400 dollars entry fee and i think the paint was 50 or 55 dollars we do a pig i have a pig roasted free lunch for everybody music like it's just fun we have a good time and you know you give them value for their dollar like that's all i'm about like i don't care about anything else i i actually had a whole bunch of ex-nfl refs come in Bryce got a how and not, not that he doesn't do it, but all the other guy, Tony, little Tony, like yeah. a ton, they had a whole field and I had a whole, and I paid for them to come in. I'm like, I want a great experience for everybody, you know? So that's what it was really about. And that's, I mean, it's just a successful event. So we do guns all the way through third, you know, it, we do it right. You know, we do it yeah. right, Joe. Hundred percent. You have a place to stay up here. You don't come up. 
I know, dude. It, uh, man, life is busy now. Like, especially, it was already busy. My only off time to come would be in the holidays. And you know how I feel about New York in the winter time. It's there's at least nothing for, on July 20th for you, Joe. Nothing. Nothing July I'll 20th. I'll have some avocados here as like bait. <laughs> can there's a team you can play with. <laughs> Just bring, <laughs> tell Travis to put in a team. Ryan, Ryan came last year. That's a good idea, actually. I could talk to him about that. Um, could you set so, the G5 for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I save that. We're going to try and see if we can sneak that one down for our family vacation this year. A whole mm. bunch of the old guys on Rhythm, all of us families, take all of our kids down to the Outer Banks for the summer, like nice. for a week, and we might use it for that. So that'd be sweet. Yeah, I see like Dempsey as a family now, kids. Oh, yeah. And- I know you have kids that are getting bigger and bigger. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing yeah. to see. So that's a cool stage of life. Yep. Um, and I'm sure that event's going to be amazing. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I'll try to get me to come maybe infamous as a whole, if, uh, if possible. Um, and yeah, you've thrown a lot of sweet events, so I know it's going to be successful. I'm playing um, the DNA probably with misfits. It's only, it's only like Travis has to play this now. I mean, he's obligated. Mm. So <laughs> we'll, I'll connect you two about this because we yeah. I think we chatted about you last time we were there because y- y'all were both from like the Crossman, you know, yep. era thing. So he knows yep. to talk to you. We'll make this happen. Cool. Um, the the last question I was going to ask you before I let you go is, you know, a lot of people I have on here they they travel quite a bit, so I would ask them a bunch of questions. You know, what do you like to do most when you're there? What do you like to buy? Uh, are you a try the food person, all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, you, you really just did the Asia and London. And even in just those two trips, something I found is like, uh, you know, from the very first time I ever traveled, you're going to learn a lot about the place you go, like stuff that you don't learn on TV or whatever. But I remember I learned a lot about myself, like that trip, you know? And ever since, like I still, every time I travel, I learn more about what it is that like, okay, this is actually more of who I am or what I'm comfortable with or whatever. So in either of those trips that you talked about, like, is there something that you, you know, it taught you more about you by going there? Mm, I have a problem with wasting time, I'll say. So I think in my mind about the flight time how much work I could be getting done if I wasn't on this airplane right now. Um, That's real life. Like I feel like how many guns could I have put together or how many, uh, you know, my normal job, like how much stuff could I have done if I wasn't sitting here in this airplane? Right. I, I don't like to, you know, I'm the type I wake up. I don't know about you. I wake up automatically. My eyes open at five 30. Like if I sleep past five 30, I will literally like, have a headache the whole day. Like I feel like I wasted time. Weird. And I, you know, a lot of times these guys have been here, like uh, we'll be in the shop until 1am, like just building stuff or getting stuff done or I'll work on God knows what for, you know, I just, I can't like sit still and sit on an airplane, like accomplishing nothing. So it just reinforced the fact that this just isn't for me. I need (laughs) to get some, I need to get stuff done. So I'll leave that to you and the guys that love to do it. Right. So it's one extra seat on the plane you can have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, I wish you'd come back out and do another cool four and one. If, 
if it's that you learned, whoa, I truly am a workaholic, um, but you already kind of knew that, that's cool too. Uh, maybe you learned it's okay to occasionally take a true day off. Yeah. And just sit on the airplane and, all right, what's on this, you know, TV screen in the back of the seat in front of me or something? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> I'll save it for retirement. I'll still be doing something, but I'll save it for that. Yeah, I was going to say retirement for you is what? Only a couple years away now and no, you're not I'm actually going to retire. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I'll sleep when I'm dead. So I feel that. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, I know you got probably guns to build and uh, a family to go eat with. So I won't keep you on here longer. But, uh, dude, thanks for coming on and yeah, man. Know, catching up I'm and proud shooting of you, shit. Joe. Good job with this. And I know you'll do well with it and you'll stick with it. And I'll... Uh, I'll definitely tune in from time to time. So, Excellent. Well, I hope to see you very soon. Uh, stay on for a second after I end this recording. I'll see you in Vegas. Fuck yeah, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, yeah, dude. Thanks again. Uh, love you, buddy. All right, man. See ya. See ya.